Welcome, one and all, to your Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Relax. No one's looking for me here. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast by Fantastic Geek for the season, series, finale, episode six, One World, One People is brought to you by a baguette and a few french fries. Just the snack you need when you got to go to the GRC to thwart international resettlement. Yummy, yummy. So, Pete, in the last couple days, right off of your intro there, word that series head writer uh, Malcolm Spellman is working on a Captain America 4 script. So, does that mean there won't be a second season of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or rather, was this the only season of it, and there might theoretically be another season, a new season of Captain America and the Winter Soldier? Question marks abound. All I know is this, Pete. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Undoubtedly, uh, maybe at the Oscar red carpet tonight, maybe tomorrow on The Hollywood Reporter, maybe later in the week, you know, after we have said, we don't know, nobody knows, <laughs> uh, that's when news is going to come out definitively to say, Oh man, one more season of Captain America and the Winter Soldier leading into Captain America 4 or whatever. I think the film announcement precludes that. I don't think it would have been made if another season was coming. What What's the upshot, Matt? The new next Captain America is going to get the full film treatment and it won't be like, oh, well, you just got a TV show and now you come back for more of a TV show. Those in the know, those who can do the maths, and you know, you've know, you done the maths on our Twitter, Matt, it's decidedly more time on the, the nine smaller episode or six uh, regular size episode uh, season and you get much more than the full film treatment, yet there's the idea, the, the film script, the, the total uh, star power uh, around you and, and building a tenpole feature uh, that way. That being said, it remains like Sam Wilson up in the air, but at least we know that the film is coming. They would not announce if this was going to be something that turns into an inhuman situation matt uh i know also in the last week it was announced that the falcon and the winter soldier will be in drama series emmy contention not limited series so a it's not going head to head with wandavision b i guess that leaves open a door for a second season it had oh. fueled the speculation that there'd be a second season and then there's the the title card change with the credits but like I said, I, I do not think there would have been this announcement Friday as we record this Sunday, April 25th, um, that now there will be a Captain uh, America 4 with Anthony Mackie in the title role. Um, I mean, geez, Matt, it's not as if they pushed all the pieces into where they needed to be for that. There is a 2023 slot. There, there are two open that don't have uh, films directly a 
assigned to them on Marvel Slate. And hey, again, COVID still uh, rejiggering things, but uh, good problem to have, as is Matt, uh, our next podcast. It is, yes. The date for Loki as a series getting closer and closer. Uh, we certainly will have a podcast for that. Pete, as I explained to you off mic, uh, Apple redid some things behind the scenes leading to much panic to me. But I think as we record right now on Sunday morning that the feed is either submitted uh, or up or will be up soon or something like that. So that feed coming for sure. I would bet, dear listener, that you'll get uh, more definitive news uh, when we podcast the entire uh, six-episode run of The Falcon and Winter Soldier this time next week. We'll have more info there on the Loki feed, but keep an eye on our social media uh, outlets as well uh, as just, you know, you can always search for Fantastic Geek Loki. Uh, but yeah, that, that feed's a-coming, and Pete, I kind of like here we're coming off of this incredible run of non-stop, let's see, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, then Discovery, then maybe a week or two in between, but WandaVision, uh, a little bit of a stutter step there, then Falcon, have a little bit of a breath for May, which we'll talk <laughs> about in a moment, but I, I guess there's what I'm trying to say. I like that we get just a little bit of a pause before we jump back into things with Loki. Oh, no rest for the wicked, Matt. No word, strangely, yet on a Marvel assembled for Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, the way there was for WandaVision uh, the week after its run, which was technically that off week for us, and then right into uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, but we will be bringing you our wrap of this season series next week. Uh, and then, Matt... We're, we're going to spread out a buffet for May. Yes. Kudos to you for titling uh, it Buffet May with the full menu. Uh, right off the bat, we will be doing the first two episodes of uh, The Bad Batch, the Star Wars animated series uh, that launches on May the 4th. From there, Pete, we have plans, tentative, don't want to fully announce things yet, but certainly that's going to be coming together. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, just to circle back to the point that started this discussion, having had the what the pop culture gods having given us this nonstop run of Star Trek, Star Trek, Marvel, Marvel, um, basically unbroken, basically with you know basically prescribed for us. Uh, this is going to be a fun buffet menu to put together. Uh, a lot of it inspired by suggestions and thoughts given on our uh, Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/FantasticGeek, and uh, still, still keeping an ear out there and uh, indeed on social media in general for suggestions because we have good ideas. If a great one comes along and bounces a merely good idea, you know, Pete, as we used to say over on the Star Trek podcast, hailing frequencies are open. And Pete, let me quickly add that uh, all of that will be on, definitely for sure, that entire Buffet May uh, schedule will be on the Pop Culture Podcast. You know, we might throw the Star Wars thing on the Mandalorian one, or if we do with this, it might end up somewhere else. But uh, definitely, it's HQ for that is going to be uh, the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Yeah, super excited about that. And again, you helped to put that together. But Matt, I hear a drop coming up. Let's jump into this episode. Carly Morgenthau comes into view 
from the shadows to inform the Flag Smashers the movement is ready as the Global Repatriation Council is in lockdown into the title card. Maybe the maybe the shortest tease, Matt, in the history of the brief history of Marvel uh, TV. Yeah, I certainly would agree, and I think that um, probably a factor is they want to get the Falcon and the Winter Soldier title card in there one last time, regardless of what the future is of the show, the movies, etc. Um, they want they want to give that space for the the triumphant reveal at the end. Uh, but back to the story inside the building, a lockdown is in place. The NYPD has set up a border outside in the meeting room. There is contained chaos. Pete classic marvel television i know that's not the division that made this but classic marvel television cross-cutting here you know we're in the building we're we're at street level uh we're back in the meeting room overhead sam is flying however too small to be seen his image kind of washed out by the the white heat from the uh from the jetpack there suit has wings matt it has wings (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the ground, Bucky is given nods from the NYPD. I, I guess, Pete, that somewhat answers our questions, like, how does Bucky, our, our pedantic questions, to be true, you know, how does Bucky make it through uh, airport security and whatnot? He's a guy that the good guys recognize and whatnot. Um, he's also met by, hey, random guy, nope, morphing face device thing, it's Sharon. Black Widow's morphing technology veil there all the way back to captain america winter soldier yes it's it's sharon thank goodness bucky says that she has risked so much to be there maybe she'll get that pardon after all we get uh, not all they're cracked up to be depending on the therapist (laughs) pete which is a handy line since dr raynor will barely appear it's a drive-by appearance later in the episode so i see what you did show remind us about the therapist who shall return towards the end we have sam still flying overhead as carly calls for the attack inside to commence or move to phase two uh inside gas bombs are sent into the meeting room leading officials to scramble what's that we had a, a a listener last week who referred to them as thermal detonators from Star Wars that I I cannot unsee. Uh, that is a great that is a great a great observation, Pete. I might have reached that conclusion on my own if not for the fact that uh, you know as this attack was happening on the debate room floor, if you will, it was like oh my goodness, this is exactly what Malcolm Spellman was talking about in terms of you know, events uh, in uh, on January 6th in this country uh, feeling eer- eerily similar. I think that it was maybe... It, it, felt, it felt vaguely similar at the end of last week's episode with this. It's like, oh my goodness, how... You know, particularly if you had made this episode, edited this episode and so forth uh, before that time, and then you're seeing all that occur, it must have been... It must have been eerie in what was already a frightening and disturbing... Uh, day to say the least as the grc escapes the room from the threat of the gas here there's a flag smasher one of the uh security guards who blocks them sam tosses the shield as the new suit starts to come into view through the window there rolls in gets the full-on hero shot treatment um and then unmasks the flag smasher announces 
that he is Captain America. I love the one dude there is like, wait, I thought Captain America was on the moon. Pete, this new suit looks resplendent. The Disney Store toy leak that happened uh, in the neighborhood. The first episode week one. of the show. Yeah, it, I'll say this. I... I don't. I don't regret seeing the toy leak, and here's why: uh, the fact that Sam Wilson was going to become Captain America was a foregone conclusion in my mind, uh, and the toy leak did not do this suit justice, at least for the brief moment that that I saw the picture from uh, the Disney Store website. It's just a. It's a fabulous moment, and then some to see Captain America here. Uh, the GRC is uh, sent to escape. Uh, Sam noting to them that it's a misdirect. Ah, oh, if only they had listened, Pete. Um, he's unable to help them, though, because he's attacked by Batrock, who notes en français that the robe does not make the monk, which, while I don't agree with Batrock's sentiment here, uh, that's a great saying, and one that I will keep filed away to, <laughs> to surreptitiously deploy uh, at some point in the real world. Yes, wants to uh, know how much he's going to get for the new bird costume the baguette and a few french fries line is great maybe if it had been turned into freedom fries would have been even tastier uh sharon sets off the metal detector but bucky doesn't oops uh carly tells the biggest flag smasher we've seen lennox that uh they're heading down this east spiral stairwell. Great overhead shot there. Uh, and then a woman hands Bucky uh, the phone with the Flag Smashers app, which is going to be super useful later on, uh, to ask him if he's tired of fighting for the wrong side. Two thoughts, Pete, in what you just recapped. I'll go in reverse order. First, um, it was interesting to ponder for a moment how could they ever allow the Flag Smasher app to stay on the phone? Pete, this I also looked the... for it on the App Store. I couldn't find it. Uh, well, Pete, uh, in the real world, no joke, in the last week, uh, this is when Parler has returned to the Apple uh, App Store. So I guess anything is possible. Uh, also, just to rewind to the beginning of the scene, really great to see Bucky and Sharon make their way into the Atlanta Convention Center. Oops, I mean Sword HQ. Oops, I mean the lobby of this New York building. Hey! Because <laughs> I think they're in the same... I think I think it's the lobby of the Atlanta Convention Center, is my point, Pete. Um, in the basement, though, the GRC folks, at least some of them, um, are led into armored transports. Senator Beardo double timing it kind of pete like a like a like a fat kid headed to the ice cream the free ice cream or something um but he's it was a moment of pathetic chuckle uh, or i think it was meant to elicit from the audience pathetic chuckle as he he doesn't quite push women and children out of the way but there is a there is a bit of billy zane circa titanic saying this is my child let me on the boat um, but the transports we see are given what my notes identify as mech lock things. We know they're bad because the music kind of goes bum 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 to tell us <laughs> these are bad, put on there by a bad guy. Uh, and Sharon is sneaking through the shadows watching. Yeah, bumps into Lennox, uh, who then gets into a separate van uh, and then crashes into a car and then dissolves in green gas. 
Uh, she announces to Sam over comms there. One of them is down. How'd you manage to take out a super soldier? Oh, uh, mercury vapor is what she says over the thing. And at least the way that I read it amongst other things. Uh, Hey Matt, welcome to scroll watch, uh, 2023. Ooh, that is an interesting take. That is one of two moments in this episode where somebody behind the wheel of a vehicle uh, left me a little confused. So either that's a bad edit on their part, or it's one of those uh, loose threads where, <laughs> what, in 18 months from now, it's going to be previously on the MCU, and we're going to see this scene again. So good catch there. I'll give you the update on the other person behind a wheel uh, later on, which I genuinely think the show could have done a slightly better job with. Um, but I digress, Pete. Uh, on the roof, other GRCers are getting in the helicopter. Uh, Sam decides he's going to go after that one with Bucky staying on the ground. It's almost like Pete, they constructed a dual fight scene with which the flying guy can go after flying people in trouble. Uh, and then Bucky, who can't fly, can go after other people that are on the ground and whatnot. Uh, there's a great moment as Sam jetpack blasts the shield into Batrock. Sam holding the shield, extra oomph there to hit Batrock, then takes flight. Uh, the chopper pilot sees him and ducks, maybe in a way that choppers shouldn't fly, but, you know, uh, willful suspension of disbelief given here. Sam fires off Red Wing 2.0, who scans the hostages. Hey, Google face search, one of those people can fly a helicopter. Yeah, I thought an interesting use there of that, but all works in world. The Flag Smashers meet up and they debate matt that the worst case scenario might be they could have to kill the hostages but wait we were supposed to use them to negotiate uh excuse me i'm carly morgenthau and i will say now for the second time it doesn't matter if we um i die uh and that the movement is strong enough to continue without us one world one world Yes. Uh, guys, you're supposed to say the thing. One world, one people. So uh, clearly there, Pete, the sense that maybe not everybody is fully, uh, as fully dedicated as Carly is. Back in the sky, there's an NYPD chopper that's also in pursuit. Uh, because of the twistings and the turnings, it also is about to crash. Uh, Red Wing pulls out one of the chopper cops, a chop cop if you will pete uh and sam saves the other were there they, chop cops on cop rock uh there might have been um w- pete were there chop cops on chips is the question there i have to go back and look i, I was a big chips rerun fan in my youth side I note more, baby uh but, pete maybe we should get rid of all the marvel dc star trek star wars stuff for may and just do just watch episodes of chips look for michael doran with his resplendent mustache um there could be our star trek connection anyhow uh pete when the chop cops get dropped off on the bridge to the applause of the people ah it had me remembering other great bridge moments like uh tim story fantastic four number one where uh the fantastic four are introduced to the people of new york But Pete, take us back to Carly. Yes, with Sam up and out there in the new suit. The flag smashers block the vans there with the concrete barricades. Carly seizes one of them. 
Uh, Bucky does the patented wheelie barricade uh, jump, and they try to get him off of Dovich there with their patented fire diversion van maneuver. Uh, but wait, who who's that, Matt? Coming in like some kind of WWE personality, Morgan Yes, the return and the, uh, dare say, the rather surprising redemptive arc here for John Walker, who's uh, now ready to get some sort of, uh, well, redemption, as one does in a redemptive arc. Um, Carly notes that uh, the loss of his friend didn't matter and uh, kicks his DIY shield out of flight. Um, of course, Walker incredulous as i dare say we all are at the notion that uh the loss of lamar hoskins was something that did not matter you don't think lamar's life mattered matt and in all seriousness here falcon and the winter soldier with uh an almost entirely black writing room and this episode not finished um before the events of May and June of 2020, very clearly informed by them. And I think the interesting turn, the redemptive turn for John Walker, I think is something that many of us would not have predicted uh, in part because I think that we were watching with 2021 eyes and more of a sense of, uh, of justice kind of John Walker and his actions in Europe as a proxy for, um, you know, uniformed violence, uniform overreaches, and so forth. Clearly, the show ultimately is not trying to make John Walker a proxy for um, excessive police abuses. Um, if that's not an oxymoron, any police abuse is excessive. Any any uh, excess is abusive. But clearly, the show wants John Walker to have some sort of gray redemption he's not fully the white knight he's not fully the 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 black knight in terms of um a level of villainy i think that particularly pete given justice uh, on some level served in the last week when it comes to uh police abuse i think that maybe i have it this way pete i'll speak for myself i was not ready for john walker to get anything less than uh jail time as a result for his actions Maybe I was watching too loaded, or watching with eyes too loaded for the the, the present time and the, and the real world. Versus, to be fair, the the show has spent five episodes giving John Walker nuance, making John Walker uh, not a racist person, uh, giving John Walker understandable conflict and. You know, w- would any of us have taken the serum the way John Walker did? I think there is a, there's meant to be some sympathy there, and if we were ready to fully paint him as the worst of the worst, maybe we were bringing, again, slightly the wrong eyes to it, slightly real-world eyes to a character who's meant, uh, you know, who's meant ultimately to get some sort of redemption because the show is unambiguous in giving him that here in his heroic introduction and certainly as the, uh, the rest of his portion of the story unfolds it's funny that you say heroic reintroduction i did not find this to be that way i found this a grudge this is a man coming off 
having lied to Lamar's parents that uh, dead flag smasher, uh, I think his name was Nico. It was Nico uh, had killed their son when that is not the case. And now he's made what I refer to in my notes as a buster ass shield uh, to show up here and try to extract his rough justice. Last week's episode touched off this debate. Walker as, uh, you know, somebody you could get behind still or not. Um, And, you know, you had even wondered, would, would we see him? you know, this week after, you know, we last saw him welding, Matt, welding. And of Uh. course we do. Okay. Um, And that the the best move here that Carly just kicks non-vibranium shield down and how it becomes a symbol emblematic of him and this seeming change that goes on uh, in his involvement in this, you know, multi-stage fight scene is what it is. But we also have Bucky beating on this door with the device holding it up um, as Walker is pounded on by a number of flag smashers, something that goes on a couple times within this sequence. He's got the medals inside the shield, you know, that's so he can see it and be motivated. Uh, Bucky comes to his rescue, uh, gets rolled off and into the old construction pit with the superhero arm landing. Yes, and I will admit, it's a little unclear, uh, I think, because Dovich has long hair and because Carly has long hair. It's a little unclear. Um, who, who was, was in th- initially, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, it, all they ne- would have needed to do is to sit and go, Carly has the white triangle on her mask and all the other people don't because with all due respect to Dovich, uh, either it's Carly or it isn't. Um, the it was a little confusing. My notes say Carly or not, because I think later it's revealed that it is Dovich, but ultimately Pete back to the sky. We go, Sam messages, the GRC diplomat, uh, who can fly perhaps maybe some dubious stuff here where he's able to send her a text to put in your headphones. And then he's talking to her, I guess over Bluetooth or FaceTime audio or whatever. I do know this Pete, uh, they're using Apple devices, which means they are what? Bad. No, Apple devices equal good. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but bottom line, the message is get ready to help. Um, Sam gets downed into the river, but only for a moment. Flies on out, um, saying that the chopper, the chopper baddies have earned this ass whooping. Uh, they do a countdown, five, four, three, two, one at one. Sam knocks the pilot out, like all the way out as the woman takes control. Ayla. Uh, <laughs> yes, she, she she gets a name in subtitles, and I think even later on somebody says her name. Maybe Sam says her name. Um, but Pete, take us back to the street. Walker fighting Carly here. She manages to elude him and take the one van filled with GRC uh, hostages, sending it into, she hopes, the pit, but it's dangling on the girders above. We get the moment here of Walker wincing, and then he tosses Buster Ass Shield down into the pit. 
that's the the visual symbolism map that I don't need that that I'm not going to chase that and and here's the the full on redemption the the patented super soldier I'm going to pull a vehicle with one arm while holding onto the top of a building here uh he's assaulted again beset again by several flag smashers uh he falls and the uh the truck is going over the edge but something stops it the big reveal there there's the shield there's the wings there's two red wings red wings 2.0 uh indeed that's a great moment there as uh as captain america is saving the day uh the truck Wait, wait we're told that's the black falcon there i tell you well, yeah, great moment there where somebody uh-huh. from... It's Captain America. Indeed. Great, great, great moment there. Back to the pit we go where Carly tries to speak to Bucky, but Captain America stops her. Um, he's trying something different and suggests that maybe she do the same thing. Suddenly, uh, in this moment that might be too talky, Batrock appears sending smoke bombs into the pit. Uh, letting the baddies scatter. But Sam, of course, has heat vision. Sam, Bucky, and Walker follow. And uh, when they're in the twisty, turny bowels of the building here, Sam goes alone as the other two follow uh, the track as it splits. Yes, uh, we've got the whistling there uh, and Batrock uh, in the bowels of the building here. Is that you, Dovich? No, it's Sharon who's got the drop on Carly, who has a drop on her. Carly is disappointed in Sharon, who lowers her weapon here. Uh, and Sharon monologues that when Carly came to Madripoor, she reminded Sharon of a young her. She took her in, gave her an opportunity, uh, but she betrayed her. And Carly says that she did that because uh, she wanted to change the world and not hurt the world that hurt her. Uh, she's not interested in power broker. Power. <gasps> oh, my. <laughs> or an empire. Uh, but Sharon tells her, asks her to come back to work for her, all of you. Uh, and Carly says that she just wants her muscle back because Matt, what is a power broker without super soldiers? Um, more than you apparently. And Batrock shows up at this time and he's able to put it all together. He's the audience, Matt. We, oui, we, oui. that Sharon is the, power broker um yeah i like that it's confirmed in dialogue between sharon and carly but then you have batrock as you say pete just saying wait you were the power broker all along just in case all of you at home don't quite get that uh he says he's done with the games wants to be paid uh catch our times four times the price or he will spill her secrets she says that she doesn't do blackmail and fires a Batrock. Pete, all I know from this scene is that if you're going to shoot somebody, you can draw 
faster than them. But if you're not going to shoot somebody, then you can let them draw on you or something like that. Because there's a lot of drawing and putting the gun down, etc. Um, but again, Sharon firing at Patrock. Carly also shooting Sharon uh, in the gut. That uh, sound of gunfire sounds plural of gunfire brings Sam, who doesn't want to fight Carly, uh, but he won't stay down uh, against her either. We cut to some flag smashers that are on the run. The app sending them, you know, let's meet at this spot. Surprise, surprise, it's Walker and Bucky. You know, because Bucky had that phone from before. <laughs> oh, you thought that we had forgotten that. But guess what, show? We remembered it just fine. Certainly Bucky remembered it even more. Um, with that, SWAT swoops in, and then some, like, enough SWAT to make it visually clear why Dovich and the other two are simply going to give up. Uh, and Pete... Do I note a thaw between Bucky and Walker? Which again might, Pete, it might go against the wants of the audience. But uh, Pete, we are not. We, the assembled audience, not just you and I, we are not frustrated Last Jedi bloggers and hypers to say, but wait, you did not write the ending that I fanficked. Um, I think, though I disagree with a redemption for Walker, who better than to see the good side in him than Bucky, who was an international assassin for bad guys for like 65 years. This is all true. I think what makes their team up believable in the course of this episode is chaos and urgency instead of, you know, wait, but you are a bad who killed a guy who was in a terror group that has also killed in full view of people. We will stop now and say, you, you can't be on our team and our side. That's not believable. Um, you know, the, there are people who feel that John Walker is somebody they can get behind. There are people that feel differently. Um, it's interesting the way this episode ultimately ends with him. What will be, the case moving forward. I did not see him as somebody who would continue to be in the MCU as of the conclusion of this season series. Uh, but that is definitely the case. Uh, great fight choreography between uh, Carly and Sam here. Uh, particularly love the shield stop with the wings used to uh to prop him stand him up there just to circle back to walker for a second i would say this if you are an audience member who is frustrated that the show has not taken walker to task more uh for real world uh symbolism if you will uh i would just say this let's rewind to prior prior to uh events of the last week the notion that the uniformed walker who did a bad thing but the powers that be aren't exactly gonna aren't exactly gonna make him pay full justice for it um that's a thing too so i think that I, I, again i think everybody everybody loves um wyatt russell he's a great actor he's he's great being the villain that we can all hate and whatnot if you're still if you're angry that the show gave john walker a pass um, maybe that still is a good thing. Maybe that's a thing to sit and say, oh, it shows that the system still is, still is helping people like him when it, when, you know, when it should be 
taking a further sense of justice. But anyhow, Pete, back to that fight indeed. Um, we have Carly picking up a gun, um, ready to fire at Sam. Again, there's this, it's a fight, but Sam is trying not to fight back. It's a really, from a fight choreography point of view, it's really well done there. Um, Sharon shoots Carly once. No, Pete, twice. No, three times, Pete, three times. Oh man, it is television's death blow. Um, of course, three times in the mid body does give enough time for monologue as life fades away from Carly. Um, and she does just that. She tells Sam she is sorry. She dies there on the spot. Uh, and Sam picks up her body slow motion uh, style. And this slow motion continues as he flies her body to the GRC folks, the Winged Avenger, uh, in the shot of the series as he comes down, angelic, biblical, Mm -hmm. redemptive, although still unable to bring life back to her. It's just, it is the shot of the series. And Pete, I look forward to seeing that shot when, I'll say it now, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is nominated for a Best Drama Emmy. The contribution Aaron Kellerman made to the series here having ended. So she's she's done her MCU bid. She's done her Star Wars bid. Can we can we start the let's get Aaron Kellerman as a as a Klingon bid? Uh, Pete, I'd be for that. I also wouldn't be surprised if we look back and say, hey, she did a Star Wars and a Marvel and think, you know, she's only 22 right now. She did Star Wars and a Marvel. And then she started to do the big stuff. And then she started to do, you know, the the Sam Mendes drama, the this, the that. I mean, we might look back and say we were lucky to get her when we did because now she's going to spend the rest of her 20s doing, you know, incredibly moving, you know, full-on drama with a capital D, dramatic work. Um, but, I mean, my goodness, talk about just a really... A really exciting career ahead of her, <laughs> again, with two of these properties already under her belt. With everyone converging here around the GRC and Senator Beardo, this is where the episode does its heaviest and most successful lifting. The non-powered hero uh, making the impassioned plea here in front of the cameras for our better angels. Yes. He learns that still they're, they are going to reset the borders that at this moment, the GRC plan slash vote is going to continue. Uh, Sam urges them to stop using labels like is terrorists. It, is it Sam or Falcon or captain Falcon? <laughs> uh, Pete, he is Falcon. No more. He is captain Falcon. Not at all. Uh, he he is Sam if we're looking to be familiar. He is Captain America if we are looking to be heroic. Um, he says to stop using the labels of terrorist, of refugee, of thug. Uh, when given the question, should governments have to support these displaced people? Yes, says Sam. Uh, as for the newly returned, what about them? Which I think it would be easy to say, you know, the displaced are the refugees, the, the you know, give us your poor masses yearning to be free it, it's not an unfair point to say if you blipped away and came back and there were people in your house what about you what's your property rights um pete i don't have an answer that is like help the poor people of the world i give credit to the show to say 
Here's the solution. Sam admits to not having answers to that. However, there is a common struggle. All the people have been begging for help and sympathy. Now those in power know what it's like. Pete, and I, it was at this moment when I saw the the GRC folks heads down, shamed to learn that there is this feeling of um, this feeling of sympathy uh, to realize that there's there are leaders in this country who have been through worse than the GRC went through and still did not learn this lesson. That's where you say sometimes fiction is more powerful than fact. Sometimes fiction can lead the way because uh, the senator and the other two uh, the other two representatives there, the two women, uh, they're listening, they're hearing what he has to say, they're personalizing it, and they're applying it, dare say, to the experiences of other people. The use of the word thug, highly intentional, and again, noting the origin of these words of this plot through a primarily African-American writer's room, the intent is there to help us understand this as, again, a black American wearing the stars and stripes, uh, wielding the shield, talking about a common struggle uh, that we are all in to be able to resolve this in the best of ways. Yeah, and just this notion, you know, when he's told he doesn't understand uh, that that key line, which, you know, Pete, I say this with no no attempt to puff myself up. This will be uh, this will be Anthony Mackie's uh, best actor in a drama Emmy nomination clip scene at the Emmys uh, when Sam says he's a black man carrying the stars and, sp- and stripes. So what doesn't he understand? He knows that there's hate put upon him, uh, the stares, the judgment. Still, he's here. Still, he believes we can do better. Um, and that all the power that leaders have, you know, who are the people in the room when the decisions are made? Uh, clearly this notion of representation there, you've got to do better Senator. And, uh, he notes in, in, in a line that really sings, I don't know that it makes logistical sense, but maybe it makes emotional sense, something deeper than logic. He notes that the, the representatives here, we'll call them senators, uh, they have as much power as a misguided god or a misguided teenager. How will you use your power? This, as people are watching from home, including Isaiah and his grandson, Elijah, back in Baltimore. Matt, the only thing that kind of took me out of this moment where we're we're lifted up where this stuff pops off our screen and into the real world was the highly comic accurate outfit of captain america here sam wilson but what poor anthony mackie's ears must feel like and how the redesign is already going to come for this outfit what just in terms of how the ears stick out a bit? Yeah, it looks it looks painful. Um, certainly we've learned on the Star Trek end how sometimes towards the end of a season, particularly, and you know, not knowing whether this scene was shot uh, pre 
COVID or post, uh, although it is important to keep in mind that they shot both in um, Prague and Atlanta uh, post-COVID to finish things off. Um, But we've seen how in a rushed situation, you might not do the costume tests, do as much costume testing as you would like. Um, I also don't know. Pete, I'll go completely practical here. You know, I think of, you know, Michael Keaton in Batman, where it's like, not only can he not turn his head, but he can't hurt your thing because of all the rubber over his ears. So was that maybe a starting point um, in terms of like, hey, let's let the actor be able to hear people and and whatnot. Um, It'll be interesting to see. I guess, Pete, it's with some sadness, this notion that we're not going to find out, presumably, we're not going to find out um, when set photos leak in... August or September when they're shooting the next season of this show, you know, to be retitled Captain America and the Winter Soldier, if they're just moving straight to the next movie, it'll be a year, 18 months before anything starts to leak out. It'll be two or three years before we can see the next version of this costume. Um, But ultimately, these are good problems to have, even though, you know, buffet style, I want my more seasons right now. Right. Uh, We got Joaquin Torres watching from his super military laptop there taking in this moment of the man he supports and maybe the future falcon um and you know what i i like that this episode lets almost everybody from the cast have a moment um i maybe it's just you know, you're used to seeing things on stage where everybody comes out and gives a bow at the end. It was nice to get everybody, um, maybe with the exception, not maybe, we did not get Io, I think because the story did not have a spot for her. So uh, I will grant you it would have it would have been uh, not a good move to have, you know. Meanwhile, in Wakanda, Io Cable is watching. in Wakanda? Uh, look, I'm sure she does, but I, I think it just would have been like, oh, she already left last episode. Vibranium Cable, man. <laughs> um but I digress. It was nice to get all these people here or in a little bit, you know, we get, you know, we get some Zemo, we get some Val and so forth. But uh, Sam walks, he gives a knowing nod to Walker. So again, we can agree or disagree with the story choices. The story has made a very clear, uh, clear choice here to give Walker more of a pass than not. Uh, Walker walking away from the camera. Uh, Sam and Bucky reunited uh, with the great line there. Uh, from from Bucky, nice job, Cap. Um, they find Sharon off to the side, tending to her wound. Uh, she says it's not the worst thing that's happened to her this week. Um, with that, a suit calls Cap over. Hey, there's that last flag smasher who fell into the river. Can you help? He'll always help. And with that, he flies off. Elsewhere, Pete, we see Dovich and the other two. Uh, dialogue tells us they're being sent off to the raft. Uh, here is uh, this little scene to me has a little confusion when you watch it the first time. Uh, the one Navy man says one world, one people. So I guess reminder that the movement continues Uh, a moment later, the transport explodes. We cut to the, the, I would say underemphasized or, or the under made clear, if that's a phrase, um, but the notion, the story suggests that the trigger man was an old man watching. Pete, I'm pretty sure on second watch that that is Zemo's butler, and that's going to be kind of confirmed in the next two scenes. Um, but I don't know that 
it was made clear in the moment, in part because the last time I saw a guy, and I mean this genuinely here, the last time I saw a guy sitting behind a truck with a face I didn't quite recognize, it was, what's his name that got mercury vapored? So I initially Lennox. was like, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, is, is this Lennon? No, he's an old mate. What? You know, um, I think this is un, unintentionally unclear, maybe in the writing room, maybe in the edit you said, but wait, in the next scene on the raft, Zemo is hearing about this. Oh man, the transport just exploded. Dovich and company are dead. Um, he nods and smiles, a happy boy. Then in the next scene, Val is impressed that Zemo has gotten the last laugh. Um, so again, it's made it's like it's made clear by proximity, but this is far from, you know, I don't know, shot of uh, ball being put into top of tube. Cut to ball, bong, bong, bong in the tube and ball coming out at the other end. And you go, oh, all these things are connected in my mind. Instead, this is just kind of like, I guess Zemo killed the last super soldiers because he and then the butler and the bomb but even though navy man who didn't blow because i thought navy man blew them up but how that so recap for me pete zemo killed dovich and the other two thereby ending zemo's uh hunt to kill all the super soldiers except for the one that he's okay with and then the other new super soldier who got away but but did he though uh oesnik killed them he's got the gloves on He's got the uh, he's got the radio detonator, uh, but is he a scrawl? Uh, was he explicitly operating under uh, Zemo's orders? Did he freelance? This uh, remains to be seen. But hey, Walker, check your phone. Um, yes, we get Val saying, you know, this with with these people haven't been blown up it couldn't have worked out better if she had planned it or did she she didn't or did she um mrs walker says you know walker's probably just fiddling with the helmet with that pete walker comes out he's lit from behind mm -hmm. so that means that the new black in his uniform doesn't pop he says it's the same but black but again it's not that i was confused at my 6 a.m watching on my phone it's that He's lit from behind, so the colors, in this case the color black, does not pop. And I don't know if I don't know when the Julia Louis Dreyfus scenes were shot relative to COVID. I know based on Julia Louis Dreyfus's Twitter, I think it was her Twitter, maybe her, yes, uh, you know that she was taken to set in a cloak, so nobody saw her. So and so my point being this, Pete, I get that maybe you didn't say we're going to spend an entire ten-hour day shooting these three Julia Louis-Dreyfus scenes and just kind of like, you know what, let's do it out in the square. Let's do it outside the Atlantic Convention Center in the sunshine. What's that, paparazzo? Random passerby? You know, Elaine? Marvel? You know, I, I, I totally get all that. But this is a moment where I think maybe, again, regard, we'll, we'll, we'll take COVID out of it if, if that's a permissible thing to do. We'll take COVID out of it and COVID timeline and whatnot. The fact that he's got a same but different uniform is not made clear on screen. He has to say the words. Things are about to get weird, Matt. Uh, they're not going to need a Captain America because we've got a Captain America. They're going to need a U.S. agent. Ooh, Pete, that's like in the comics where Walker becomes U.S. agent. Okay. Uh, he tells her, we'll do Val. He's told not to call her that. He, he kind of twitches, um, which Pete, I think, is an under 
discussed by us, underappreciated perhaps, yes. uh, acting choice on Wyatt Russell's part because it really, I don't know what to make of it. Is it brain stuff? Is it serum stuff? Um, Hydra stuff? Is a hi- Whatever yeah, Hydra. it is, it, it, it's a really elegant way to say this guy is not stable even as he says, hey, I'm stable. I got the uniform. I got the job. I'm back. The most sympathetic person in the room is clearly Mrs. Walker, and I worry for her. Pete, the story moves uh, sadly to a scene I think that we all saw coming, and that's not a criticism. Uh, Bucky is knocking on Yuri's door. It is indeed time to atone. Yuri is surprised to see Bucky, then is told the truth. Yuri's son was murdered by the Winter Soldier, and that was Bucky. Yuri is heartbroken. Pete, I wouldn't have minded maybe 10 more seconds of scene, you know, Bucky, because I think logically the next thing for Bucky to say is, uh, you know, it was outside my control. I was brainwashed. I know we know that. Mm -hmm. I think maybe whoever made that editing decision, whether it was shot or or, or not, I don't know. So whether it was edited on the page or edited, you know, out of the footage. I know we know that. I think they know it so well. Whoever did the editing knew it so well that it didn't need to be said. Um, but I think that we need to hear Yuri, who has no idea about the Winter Soldier and murders and freezing and time, all that stuff. I would have added some extra context. But uh, time moves on. Elsewhere, Dr. Raynor sees a present. Uh, it's Bucky's, formerly Steve's, book of names. All the names crossed out. Plus, there's a note which says, I finished the book. Thanks for your help, Doc. Uh, And then later, perhaps most sadly, Bucky is on the street looking into the restaurant where Yuri is eating. Uh, The waitress sees him and walks away. I have to admit, Pete, first time I saw it, I wasn't quite clear. Is she maybe walking towards him and they don't show it? No. She sees him, walks away. Um, Bucky has so little left, he walks away. And uh, your heart has to go out for him in these dual scenes here. I didn't quite get the read that she was rejecting him. He smiles. Uh, It's unclear, literally, that she goes out of focus behind Yuri. The thing with the Yuri scene with Bucky in Yuri's apartment the removal of the glove to show the vibranium hand and then the disclosure and, you know, beyond the what reaction of Yuri, I think they kind of fell on the side of let's leave him wanting a little bit more. Let's leave this scene to what it is. Um, it, it's not that it lacks emotional resonance. It does here. He is making good on all the way back to the beginning of the season. The first episode of this relationship with this elderly man who he cannot yet bring himself because he needs to go through the journey and the change to make this pronouncement that he had killed his son. Um, albeit under, the, the story circumstances and, and the character constraints of I was brainwashed and people would say code words and I would do that. That would cheapen the scene to say, you know, people would say these words and then I would do bad things and I couldn't do that. It, it's tearfully uh, transmitted by Sebastian Stan 
that he comes away with a smile. Yuri's drowning his sorrows. Um, it, it works. Could it have benefited from perhaps another pass a little bit more well rounded or shall we say rounded off? I'm not going to deny that. But again, I think this is where COVID kind of makes it apparent. At Isaiah's house, Sam knocks on the door, uh, but is told he's not Falcon anymore, but still is black. Isaiah notes the GRC is indeed standing down from their plans, so something has been done right. Sam has done okay. He's no Malcolm, he's no Mandela, he's no Martin, but uh, Black Captain America, uh, to which Sam says, damn right. Uh, He might fail, he might die, but people like Sam and Isaiah built this country and bled for it, and Sam has to keep fighting for it. I have to mention, Pete, in terms of low-key razzle-dazzle here, I love the the addition of having Carl Lumbly. He, 68 or 69 years old uh, while shooting this, and I think there's some extra age makeup there, despite the fact that he looks muscular, he's super tall, and so forth. To have him pick up the prop tree in a barrel, um, mm-hmm. which should be should be too heavy for a man of his age, uh, or many men to pick up like that, to just have him pick it up. Look, I get that somebody was tasked with making a foam thing and painting it and saying, all right, Mr. Lumbly, this is only eight pounds. Can you pick it up okay there? Is your back, are you, everything's okay? And Okay, we'll practice it. Okay, and action. But you watch it. You know it's a fake, but you also believe, oh, right, Isaiah, at his advanced age, is also super strong. It's just a wonderful moment. You will believe a man can pick up a heavy shrub. They're going to head out, though, Matt, because Sam has something he wants Isaiah to see. Elijah wants to know where they're going to the Smithsonian, in fact, the Captain America exhibit. And then there's a new part of it, Matt, and that is the Isaiah Bradley statue and memorial from which I read you now. Isaiah Bradley is an American hero whose name went unknown for too long. Isaiah was one of a dozen African-American soldiers who were recruited against their will and without their consent for participation in human testing in pursuit of the super soldier serum. Most did not survive. The few who lived through testing were sent on secret missions during the Korean War. During the conflict, against all odds, Isaiah Bradley rescued his fellow soldiers and 28 other POWs from behind enemy lines. However fearful of the ramifications of a black super soldier, some individuals within the government tried to erase Isaiah's story from history. His family was issued a falsified death certificate, and for decades, the truth of his unflinching bravery was buried. Pete, I appreciate that you read that, in part because I was surprised, between my first viewing and second viewing, I was surprised uh, to hear to, to hear about some of that text online, uh, particularly this idea that... Uh, uh, 
African Americans like Isaiah Bradley were recruited for the program without their consent. Um, the show does a disservice to not have that plaque in uh, in frame for longer, or to have somebody read it, if not word for word, to kind of summarize it and say to summarize its contents better. Um, clearly, the show is drawing from the uh, the Tuskegee experiment, also known as the Tuskegee syphilis study, uh, which um, you know took took uh, African Americans uh, who were unknowingly exposed to syphilis and so forth. It clearly is a reference to uh, something we've talked about before, the um, the Henrietta Lacks um, cancer cells and, and whatnot, and kind of this being a this being a systemic real world thing which has occurred, the emotion of what you just read, the emotional resonance of that is in the episode, it's in the acting and so forth. I would I would politely disagree with how the show gives Walker a bit of a pass, but I would strongly say the show could have spent another two minutes here. Yeah, we had one Sam speech where he talks to uh, those assembled and the audience at home about bigger and larger and more important things than flying suits and, you know, scrolls and laser guns and rings and whatnot. We could have done with another one here for those very reasons. And the fact that it's somewhat buried in a, you know, quick press pause, which you you need to do fast. They show that for like three quarters of a second and yeah. then it's out of focus as the nephew. And even then, of- there's a there's another paragraph that I cannot seem to get. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't take the shine off this great episode or this no. great, great season, but the show, the show could have run, run up the score with another touchdown and instead fumbled the ball. I wouldn't say a fumble. Um, I, I think what comes across with the acting here, Carl Lumbly embracing Anthony, Mackey, the the trembling as he hugs him here from uh, our point of view, uh, Sam's back really sells it, brings it home. And the lingering shot on the, the statue there of Isaiah and to get his due. I mean, Matt, we'll go back to, you know, Watchmen HBO and the the shameful events of what happened in um, what was known as black wall street in, um, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, a little over a hundred years ago now, which is firmly in the public's eye when it wasn't for so long. I mean, that's, that's not in a lot of history textbooks. And this, albeit fictional, but the idea of uh, African-American participation in our armed forces, the idea of sacrifice, of everything there. Uh, And now that there is a black Captain America, and you're right, the, the, the big speech in front of all the cameras, that's what it needed to be. Isaiah's plea in the previous episode that if you force me out into the light, I'm going to be killed. Uh, I have this grandson that that's not said, but you know, just what it would mean to him. And of course, Elijah being one of the young Avengers roster, 
may or may not be assembling before our eyes. But to to sell this moment with the the lingering shot on the um, on the statue, the idea of history, much in the same way that they created a uh, fictional museum and uh, monument to the Black Wall Street victims on Watchmen, the the revealing and the acknowledgement of the history is very important. And it's such a great, um, dare say, crowning moment for actor Carl Lumbly here, who's been acting since 1979. Uh, His first movie was Escape from Alcatraz, the Clint Eastwood movie. His first TV role was the same year on Emergency. Um, And somebody who, I mean, just a journeyman career, a character actor career, just massive, massive uh, resume. And somebody, you know, who's had... I would say more stable time in the in the limelight, you know, series regular and alias and so forth. Uh, headlined his own show, uh, probably oft forgotten, maybe forgotten for good reasons in terms of its overall quality. But uh, he was the headliner in the show Mantis on Fox. This is back when Fox was doing the brand new thing of having uh, new shows start in August, which never really worked, um, and it essentially was. Um, you know, he, he played a guy who had a, an exoskeleton suit. He was uh, a uh, confined to a wheelchair and then, you know, essentially a superhero. Indeed, Pete, my memory is at the time that the statement was made that um, Lumbly was playing the first black superhero on television. Uh, the show came and went in its 22 episodes. Um, I looked in the last week. You, you can get it on Amazon, but you have to pay per episode. So, I mean... It's not even streaming for free anywhere, so largely forgotten. But here it is, Pete, Carl Lumbly, almost 70, and in the show that Disney has said is the biggest the, the biggest show or the pilot was the biggest show on uh, ever to hit Disney+, Plus, 100 million homes subscribed and whatnot, Carl Lumbly at almost 70, you know, more famous now than ever. And, you know, and, and what a show and what a scene to... Uh, to, to be that high point take us to delacro matt where bucky becomes a jungle gym and maybe eventually a stepdad uh well it certainly is party time on the wilson's dock bucky has brought a cake we have a montage we have that that great moment where he's holding up sam's nephews with one arm uh pete you suggesting maybe the other arm uh, at some other point, it could be around uh, around Sarah's shoulder or waist or something. Um, but Bucky and Sam consider the sunset uh, as the music, uh, you know, as the music reaches its own crescendo. These two who were in opposition now brothers in arms as they walk off, and we get the new title card: Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, a great moment. We get the music continuing into the credits. Again, as mentioned before, I love that we get um, essentially a full curtain call for everybody since uh, all but Io appear in this episode in some fashion or another. We get one more time that title card, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, before Pete, the secret scene. Tell us about this secret scene. Senator Beardo in the council chambers in on... The Atlanta set, <laughs> used conspicuously. 
a couple times. It's both, you know, where we hold tribunals. It's also where, you know, we wait for Walker to come out in his new U.S. agent suit here. But Senator Beardo says on behalf of the United States intelligence community, they're going to right the wrong. Sharon Carter standing before them at the podium, the Carter name which may or may not be hers, uh, always having been synonymous with service and trust, right? So we're going to restore her and welcome back Agent Carter, uh, streaming on Disney+, Plus. two seasons of uh, Agent Carter podcast by, by Fantastic Geek, also available. Um, yeah, Pete, great summary there, which, by the way, um, while you were and talking... Product placement. And product placement. Um, coincidentally, uh, you'll never get what the Georgia State Capitol building uh, in Atlanta, Georgia looks like. It looks like that building that she then walks <laughs> outside of. Uh, she's got the applause, you know, from that Welcome Home Agent Carter. Outside, she's calling baddies. Super soldiers might be off limits as I stand outside the Georgia State House. Uh, but there's a whole host of government items ahead of them. Something for everyone with this ominous note with which we end the the season. The series, who can say? What's in your notebook about this episode? Pete, let's just start with a nice basic foundation here. Uh, Did Zemo have his butler kill Dovich and the other two? I know that I saw his face, but after... Uh, Captain Marvel, that even retroactively, anybody can be revealed to be a scroll. And the secret invasion, which is rapidly adding to its cast this week, right? Amelia Clark and Olivia Coleman joining the secret invasion cast this week. Probably not as scrolls, because uh, they're both too glorious to behold. Uh, but anybody can be one now. Uh, Oznik, Sharon Carter, whomever. Uh, there's going to be undoubtedly somebody to break our hearts as if, you know, uh, Sharon Carter turned potentially heel here doesn't do that. Uh, or Val or Senator Beardo or whomever else. To stick with Secret Invasion for a moment, I mean, give me any show that has Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Olivia Coleman, and uh, Amelia Clark. That's going to be a great show. You then throw the Marvel stuff into the mix there. It, it will be interesting. You figure, fine, they're casting now, so probably start filming in June or July, out next summer, or something like that. Yeah, you know, which is say not this upcoming summer, you know, I'd, summer twenty twenty two. Late twenty two release. Um, in the interim, I mean, yeah, you know, Pete, with WandaVision, anything was going to introduce uh, the X Men and mutants, right? And then we <laughs> then we go to Madripoor. Anything in Madripoor is going to introduce Patch formerly known as Logan, and Mutants, right? Then we get through both, you know, uh, what, 15 episodes of those two combined. No Mutants, okay, fine. Maybe that's maybe that's a slightly, you know, in line with the joking everything is Mephisto theory, probably now we're just tuckered out from saying everything is Mutants. So what are we going to spend 
maybe not Loki because of the nature of its time hopping stuff. But you know, as soon as we're back on Earth, present day, present um, existence with Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye, everything is going to be scrolls, right? Is uh, you know, is Jeremy Renner playing a scroll? Is Ms. Marvel a scroll? Is her best? This is going to be the new thing for the second half of the uh, the second half of the year is going to be who's a scroll until we count, you know, until we finish this countdown for the Secret Invasion show. Well, counting down to that and then, you know, obviously the fallout of that, I think eventually they will do the second civil war uh, from the comics. So there there are these events they're hitting and not fully knowing the what what's the next thanos you know what's what's the 2012 tip at you know well here's galactus that we will see that everybody will fight in 2018 six six years from now uh eight years if you're in spider-man uh homecoming Pete, what other theories are on your radar, particularly in this finale? I mean, we can expect to get Val and Walker back. Again, looking at the schedule, it feels like uh, it feels like a story handoff has just been made. Now, of course, for the MCU movies, we're used to a story handoff occurring, and then you say, and in a year, you'll find out how Bucky has been caught and Sam and uh and uh cap have caught him and we'll see you in the next movie in a year looking at the schedule again i don't think that we see val and walker in loki um maybe it's ms marvel although if we're gonna do a real small more intimate you know from zero to hero kind of thing i don't necessarily see them showing up although maybe it's hawkeye like what's the future for those two if past is prologue, we look at WandaVision and the post credit scene handing her into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think they are both destined to appear again in Captain America 4. Which feels a way out, but I guess it, that's how it, it is. It does, but again, that we're finally back. I mean, Matt, we're, we're still... We're a week away from a two. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm forgetting um, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. So it's going to have been by the time Black Widow comes out, have been slightly more than two calendar years between Marvel Cinematic Universe film releases and slightly more when you factor out the the Sony uh, contribution end of it, but still it, it all counts. Um, thank goodness that these TV shows, I mean, before that, let's not forget that Marvel's agents of shield, something that we podcast for seven years, uh, pop it back up and, and finishing off. But now with WandaVision with Falcon and the winter soldier, and then the others that you mentioned coming and still, Matt, you know, what if, what if I think has gone from this curiosity of, oh, it's animated, but they have all the voices to now the event of this is Chadwick Boseman's final performance. It has now become an event. Um, and it's cynical to say that 
well, the the man died and now they will turn it into a thing. The, this, by nature of the way that it shook out, becoming what it is. And I think not knowing a firm launching pad, I mean, that you and I are openly speculating and scheduling uh, Ms. Marvel for August, not knowing where What If is going to land. Um, so that we know that we have What If, Ms. Marvel, Hawkeye on the TV side. I mean, Matt, we've completely left out of the discussion so far today that Shang-Chi with its super uh, uplifting, energetic trailer uh, September 3rd, everybody, uh, no mention of Disney premiere access, at least initially, uh, and Aquafina's, you know, great comedic presence as Katie in that still nary an image of Eternals coming in November. Uh, oh yeah. And a, um, Disney Sony, uh, Spider-Man movie at Christmas time that, you know, all right, so Walker and Val, but hey, look over here, Kitty Laser. Um, I'll go in reverse order. Uh, Pete, we are recording this the morning of the Oscars. Um, I would feel quite strong that we are going to see a Spider-Man trailer tonight. I think that, that that's a very logical ad buy for Sony. I would... I would guarantee, Pete, that there is an Eternals trailer tonight, even though there are questions how many people are going to be watching the Oscars and so on and so forth. I think I read a great article yesterday um, on the Hollywood Reporter website that was talking about how the Oscars, it's going to be this un- uh, this novel celebration of the movies, and they're, they're throwing out the award show playbook because of COVID, blah, 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 blah. I think that if you are... If you're a if you're a Hollywood studio, you're less concerned about the eyeballs watching the Oscars tonight and about celebrating Hollywood. I think there's an Eternals. I think I think you're going to get a, a serious Eternals preview. Maybe they do the slightly more newfangled thing of you get the sizzling thirty second thing trailer right now on Marvel.com. Full trailer on Marvel.com. Okay, maybe. I think that the Shang Chi. Um, trailer release well-timed fun um time to start that kind of that that hype train going i think that you got that released to youtube because um eternals and it's more famous cast is a better ad buy and this way there's not the question oh is shang chi being overlooked why is it being overlooked why is marvel's first asian to the no it's had its preview already eternals is going to get that soon i think you're going to see sony's uh spider-man as well and Tonight, too, Pete, in what will be, I guarantee there won't be a dry eye in Union Station, and there's going to be nary a dry eye among the viewership. Widely expected the Chadwick Boseman will win a a posthumous Oscar. Um, Obviously not for the Marvel role. I think, Pete, in the next couple days, we are podcasting his win. We are podcasting one more look at his life. And... I think that that's all the more reason to bring it back to your point as to the future of some of these Marvel shows on Disney+. Plus. 
you can't do a second tier drop, at least for that episode, you can't do a second tier drop. It's not going to be the Mighty Ducks TV show to Falcon or whatever it might be. Um, so whether that's the case for all 10 episodes or, or, or some of the particulars there, there's a whole lot of Marvel TV future here. And there's a whole lot of Marvel movies ahead here. And I don't know, I guess to bring it back to this season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier to have left this season kind of unlike WandaVision where was there springboard for the future? Yes. But WandaVision, you know, tore down the house on the way out. Um, Falcon, the Winter Soldier, that's giving us, you know, the next great face of Captain America, a new sense of redemption for Bucky, a new person, villain, hero, somewhere in the middle uh, in John Walker, a new agent of chaos in Val, and on and on and on. It's it's a reminder that there's a whole lot about this MCU that you can really be excited about. The Chadwick Bozeman discussion here, Matt, begs the question with the new Captain America suit made by the Wakandans, is it vibranium? I think that that is probably... That vibranium is a foregone conclusion, not just for in-universe reasons, but you could see that since, since Sam Wilson does not have um physical powers the suit now is his power uh along with of course his conscience his perspective and so forth and i I don't mean to go past that because that clearly is part of what makes this captain america captain america but in terms of when it's time to get the truck back up on the on the the girders there he has the technology to um to get it back up there same thing when bad guy shoots machine gun at him in the future maybe you sit and go all right we're a little over budget here well, we won't do the wing thing how about he just gets you know sparks off the chest there because the whole suit is vibranium ha 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 you know that that sort of thing now he has bulletproof bulletproof skin not in the luke cage sense but he has bulletproof skin because the outfit is bulletproof because it's vibranium and i think it's kind of cool the way it's shaken out here. So Stark is gone um, and no longer providing, you know, the, the questions that the beginning of this series opened up, like, wait, Sam, Sam does this for free. Uh, he does this when his country calls and, you know, he, he gets the, uh, the tech, but now you have Wakanda operating as the outfitter, for the Avengers. You've got this suit. You got Bucky's arm. You have obviously Black Panther's uh armor and other wares. So it it's pretty cool the way that that shakes out. Uh we mourned the loss of Red Wing and now we have Red Wings. Yeah, I think a little let me, let me do it this way. Do I doubt that the Wakandans can come up with a Red Wing? I have zero doubt. Um, the fact that I guess it was just kind of like, hey, this Red Wing works the way the others do. There's no... Sam doesn't need any time to read the operating manual or to learn the new iOS gestures or whatever. Okay, that's fine. This is not the episode to have Sam in training. We had the training montage last episode. Give him the suit, give him the tech, away we go. Um, and again, I think it makes... It makes story sense if you are positioning Sam Wilson, Captain America, as 
um, a major part of, let's say, the Avengers, whether they call it the, you know, how soon they call the supergroup the Avengers, I don't know. But as, as one of those Avengers and a key part of it, okay, you got to give him powers that are on par with Doctor Strange. You have to give him powers that are on par with Spider-Man. These are going to be powers that are solved technologically. So while this Captain America, or indeed the previous one, you know, doesn't have X-ray vision, uh, he's got heat vision goggles. While he can't suddenly, you know, zip um, faster than a speeding bullet, he can send Red, Red Wing A to go sneak under the this or go around the corner there, whatever it might be. It becomes a proxy for... Uh, what in other heroes is is a more natural or physical ability. They talk several times throughout this episode about the flag smasher movement continuing. Clearly, this GRC introduced in this television show, uh, the idea of people displaced by the blip having uh, moved to other places where they could help, get help, um, all but one flag smasher visibly accounted for as one of the, in the river. Um, is this movement something we're going to see going forward? I guess I kind of have a difficult time looking ahead to the slate of movies and saying, is this a thread that we're going to pick up? Let me do it this way. Is this a thread we're going to pick up in the movies? No. By my count, if you start the clock with when Black Widow comes out, um, in a year's time, there will be seven Marvel movies, um, including the Spider-Man movie, and then uh, July of 2022 is Black Panther 2. Um, do I think they're going to spend a whole lot of time dealing with these issues? No. Now, that said, we have Ms. Marvel in the second half of this year that could continue that to some degree. And it could be as as um, in-home as, you know, uh, Kamala Khan's family has been displaced or, or they were dusted and came, you know, whatever it is, you could deal with it there. You could deal with it to some degree in Hawkeye. I think there is kind of an expiration date in terms of looking at this issue um, looking at this issue as an MCU thing. Now that said, in the history of MCU television, it's been um, a small but very important issue in WandaVision. It's been an important issue in the backbone, uh, if not the background, of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So maybe they are prepping for it to be big in Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye um, and to kind of bring that human element. The notion of... Sam and Bucky working with Walker after what he did, like I said in our recap here, heat of the moment, hey, larger differences aside, we need to neutralize this threat. Should the show have spent a moment, hey, you killed a dude and uh, we had that big fight and all. Oh, yes, let's get Carly. Like I said before, it's difficult, I think, to have watched these six episodes in real time, you know, one episode a week, in the slice of the real world, the real timeline that we are viewing from. I think it was it was easy to paint Walker as the the badge who abuses powers and who abuses people and left someone dead. Um 
it, it was easy because that's what was there. The show then has found something to redeem in him. I guess, how about this way, Pete? We have the police abuse issue, and we saw in Walker police abuse. We have slightly different topic, soldiers and things done on the battlefield, where I think we tend to say when a soldier has killed on the battlefield, if it has been part of the defined rules of war, and when it has been uh, under orders and the orders are done within those rules of war, we don't blame the guy who has you know, uh, machine gun down 10 people because that's what the order was. The show clearly is treating Walker as a soldier and not as a police officer. So if that is a way to help understand things, you know, I think back to our, to our Punisher podcast and I had shared on that, this is going back a ways, but you know, had a, had um, somebody who uh, was part of the family left after a divorce and whatnot, but who had, who had been a Marine who had been to Afghanistan two or three times, you know, and had seen, seen the real stuff, had done the real things and so forth. Um, do we paint him with the same brush as, again, this real world Marine? Do we paint, paint him as the, with the same brush as what Walker did um, to the Flag Smasher? Uh, no. Uh, however, a life is a life. And the bottom line is this. The show is treating him as a soldier who was following orders and got out of hand, treating him more than a police officer who has broken the public trust in daylight with cameras uh, rolling. Unfortunately, because of events in the last year, we see more of the police officer end with Walker. So I, I, I remain a little confused, and I'm not quite sure. You know, you get Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and you get, you know, uh, uh, you get Wyatt Russell, and so on and so forth. I think they have a little bit more fun with those two than fun that we had. And I don't quite know what you do with that in the future, but they they clearly have plans. And I think in X number of years, when they come back, do we still feel the same feelings? I don't know. Speaking of plans, Matt, with Zemo on the raft, but what's taken place in this season, we would seem to be one step closer to the Thunderbolts. Right. And this is where we have this embarrassment of riches. I mean, as we've been talking, I've been on the Wikipedia for Marvel Studios and so on and so forth. And it's particularly if they keep doing these single season shows or even if they don't, I guess either way you want to cut it. It's kind of almost difficult to imagine where something like that could fit in um, because just on the calendar this year, okay, we've talked about Loki as Marvel Hawkeye. We have uh, She-Hulk and Moon Knight and on and on and on ahead of us as well. Um Bottom line, one of the huge strengths of the MCU is to maybe over overstuff the sandwich. And if there's things that you don't pick up on, or if there's things, you know, a la Sharon Carter, if there's things that five years from now you finally pick up on this thread or that that, you know, dangling little mystery or whatever it might be, there's the time to do it. And because of stunt doubles and because of digital things and so on and so forth, if uh, you know, if Daniel Brohl is five years older and maybe can't quite do some of the running and jumping stuff, okay, well, you just do a Mandalorian LED screen behind him or you do a digital double, you know, whatever it is, you can kind of make it, you can make it go where the story kind of ends up wanting to go, if you will, as opposed to, like I said before, as opposed to, you know, shoehorning in the three-year plan because you got to hit the Avengers 5 date on, you know, in 2027, says the boss. Did Sarah get the loan? 
I think there's no evidence in the story, but the spirit of the ending there, she got the loan or they did a, they did a, you know, a, a fundraiser, whatever it is. It all worked out in the end. I can't imagine that the party Captain was over. America crowdfunding? Yeah. Uh, or, see, again, I feel torn. We, we saw the happy ending. We felt the happy ending. Could we have had Bank Guy? Do you do another scene with Bank Guy? Okay, maybe yes, maybe no. Do you have her opening the envelope from the bank and it says, you know, pay to the order of Sarah Wilson, you know, $200,000 loan. You know, like, does that change how we feel at the end? No, but it kind of, it was important to us that she wasn't given the loan. You know, they have a business plan and the show, you know, there was the heavy suggest, let me this way, there was the, maybe within the MCU, they weren't denied because they were African-American, but that's the takeaway from what we're watching on our side of the TV. It would have been nice to see a little justice there as well, to see it as opposed to just feel it because Bucky brought a cake and they had a bunch of shrimp and everybody was happy, therefore happy ending. So we bring it all together now, Matt, in a season in which we've gotten Madripoor, all sorts of speculation about mutants coming off WandaVision where Mephisto was everywhere and nowhere. Now we have the seemingly, uh, you know, heel turned, uh, but redeemed Sharon Carter with access to government secrets and prototype weapons. So she's going to find out that the government knows Mephisto exists (laughs) and the weapon X program. I give you Mephisto. I give you mutants. I give you scroll Sharon Carter. Here's the takeaway from one full season of WandaVision and one full season of The Falcon, the Winter Soldier. Marvel is doing a great job at being restrained and keeping keeping these shows about the shows. Because to be completely honest, what's to be celebrated from Falcon 106? What's to be celebrated is Sam Wilson, Captain America. That's number one. Number two, Bucky on his redemptive arc, and I'd say a distant number two, but Bucky on his redemptive arc, and you can overcome PTSD, your past, depression, things like that. I think kind of the list from there kind of fades a bit, but those are the those are the big takeaways. Had there been, you know, had Sharon Carter said, you know, okay, it's open season on all these government seasons, Logan, click, what would we talk about? We talk about how mutants are here. We would miss the point of the show entirely. I think Mephisto, that would have been less a case for WandaVision. But if it was, you know, and wait, Pietro has his friends with him, like Charles Xavier. We wouldn't be talking about, that's a show that's about uh, motherhood and the pressures put upon women in the workplace and, um, you know, emotional intelligence and social emotional learning and things like that, we would be saying, oh man, are, are they going to keep the one guy? Did they get past your... It would have been about something else. So, Pete, I here's what we can do. We can look ahead to Loki and we can say, Loki is just going to be about Loki. Maybe we get some Thor in there. Maybe we get a little Heimdall. Maybe we get a little, um, you know, uh, a little... Odin, you know, Anthony Hopkins, he lives in Malibu. It's easy enough to go whatever. whatever. Maybe there's that stuff. We can probably watch the six episodes of Loki and say, we're not looking for 
Reed Richards. We're not looking for Sue Storm. We're not looking for Rogue. We're not looking for Jubilee and so forth. And I say this, Pete, I can't wait to see in Loki 105, all of a sudden he's zipping through time and somebody says, hey, sugar, you lost. And we go, oh my goodness, it's Rogue. And everything then explodes. (laughs) Keep up the hope. Well, whether you're an X-Man or a mutant or just Mephisto, Matt, there's always patreon.com slash fantastic geek and you know pete complete honest moment here as i was dealing with some behind the scenes technical issues with apple podcasts and they've changed their thing and whatnot and it and whatnot it was it it genuinely was nice to know because what we try and do we try and run a lean mean machine here we try and really you know the people who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek we are always aware that that is that is um people sharing from the heart and that's something that we never want to take for granted and it really was a moment of relief where i said to overcome some of these issues these technical issues you know because we have a lot of stuff that behind the scenes is kind of spit and bailing wire because we we run things efficient hey if there's a if if it's an issue of putting a little money towards here or there to update this or that it, it really was a moment of relief to say there, there, there's some money in the well there. If we need to go to it to help continue to make things, make things chug along as technology evolves and you know, great God Apple evolves and all that stuff. So this week, more than others, that that support that we do get from people, it's appreciated because it does give the flexibility to continue to keep things chugging along, even as even as how you do some of this stuff changes. So as always, our thanks to those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content could come in the way of early listenings, input to what we're doing stuff that can only ever live on uh, patreon.com can't contribute right now and we certainly understand you can get yourself over to apple Podcasts. leave us a rating takes just seconds leave us a review takes a little bit longer but all those contributions are felt and appreciated Open your flip phones. Let's get some feedback about this episode. Pete, we'll start with our poll on Twitter. It's all come down to this, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale. What did you think? And Pete, I could not bring myself to do a 4-3-2-1 episode. <laughs> I know it's more, uh, or, or, or a poll rather. I know it's more of a Star Trek problem than a Marvel problem where you have people, I look for the hashtag, I'm going to you know, crap on an episode because I don't like the fact that people that don't look like me are getting elevated and all that. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do a four, three, two, one, because this is not, it's not a one or a two episode. I just couldn't, I couldn't consider it. The four choices were uh, Winged Glory, that got 6.8%. Agents of Veep, that's a shout out to Julia Louis-Dreyfus, got 14.9%. Patriotic Perfection got 9.5%. And then the top choice, Falcon Fireworks, got 68.9%. So I know I kind of goosed the poll in terms of, uh, they were all positive, but lots of positivity there. Some Twitter responses. Pete, the first one up, ironically, from Hail Hydra. That's at Hydra underscore lives. Great capper, pun intended, to the season. The journey of both characters to find slash accept who they are was fantastic. PH. Uh, even Walker seems content with himself. That shield 
<laughs> crying laughing emoji, tears when Isaiah got his exhibit, can't wait for Captain America 4, want this toy now. It's a picture of the uh, Captain America Sam Wilson uh, toy there. Next tweet from JT Atkins, that that JTA is me. Still digesting, but I can say this. Really enjoyed the finale. Very much looking forward to a rewatch in the next chapter. Not confident about the redemption, question mark, of that welding guy. I would have preferred a power broker redemption, but I'll take the twists as they come. Next tweet here from Andre Yeager at that Dr. Polo 1983. Great finale. Sam's speech at the end was so well written and acted. It was so relatable to what was happening in the world today. Also loved the statue for Isaiah. The growing thought right now is that Sharon is a scroll, explains her heel turn the power broker. Uh, and then he includes a, uh, a screenshot of a great quote here. Every time I pick this thing up, I know there are millions out there that are going to hate me for it. Even now, here, I hear it. The stares, the judgment, and, the mi- and there is nothing that I can do to change their minds. Yet still I'm here. No super serum, no blonde hair, blue eyes. The only power I have is I believe we can do better. Uh, we also heard from James the Sagacious, uh, that's at uh, Big Killin on Twitter. Couldn't ask for more. Just wondering where Spider-Man was during all the NYC action. <laughs> Agent Cart, Pete, it's the age-old. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is so jam-packed when they don't yeah. show up. You know, it, ultimately, you just need to turn a blind eye to it, as I'm sure James is. He's filming um, in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, that's there where you go. he is. Uh, heck, Pete, I even need to think for a second because this is now six months this is three months before the lat the most recent spider-man movie the timeline is very wonky pete one day we'll do a mcu in chronological order something i don't know what it'll Eight be but years earlier yeah which which um remains a black eye man yeah which as a side note i mean Fiji has said we goofed on the number okay right, go back and it. make a change yeah go back and fix it nobody's gonna i'll rebuy especially... it just so it says six years yeah. earlier Particularly, and, and Pete, li- listeners may know or might not know, uh, in the last week as well, um, Sony made a deal with Disney. So after stuff debuts digitally on Netflix and it's there as it used to be in the olden times, like on like it's on HBO, like that kind of, you know, that kind of debut. It's then going to move to Disney Plus longer term. So we're going to get all these Spider-Man movies on Disney Plus. That's a perfect opportunity to say, hey, the Disney Plus edition has the right X number of years later for Spider-Man Far From Home. Anyhow, back to James here. The math cut. That's exactly, yes. Um, James says, Agent Carter plus U.S. Agent equals U.S. Agent Carter. Same speech was a tearjerker. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts. Uh, Mike Sorensen had replied to that. Depending on the exact timeline, it may have been while Spidey was in Europe. He might be right about that. They don't give much in the way of reference, but this series was about six months after Endgame, and Spidey was at the end of school after the return. Should be easy to line those things up. Uh, Pete, without doing the math, I would fully concede to Mike Sorensen that... How about this way? Where was Spider-Man? Europe. Close enough. You know? Um... We heard from Derek Bruff, that's at first play our token. Eh, didn't quite come together for me. Sam and Bucky and Zemo were great throughout, and Sam's choice was well handled, but I thought the Flag Smashers were underdeveloped. They told us Carly was wronged, but never showed us, and John Walker's story just fizzled. Uh, next one up is from LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk. So I feel the pandemic in this episode. There was obviously more to Carly's story that we didn't get. 
I'm sad we didn't get a bigger Yuri moment, even though I get they'd already turned the story to future at that point, so they didn't want to focus back on the past. Uh, Darren Bell, that's at Darren B46052059, in case you want to reach out to Darren, uh, says that Sam's costume was pretty awesome. Uh, we heard from B 4 fandom on Twitter. Absolutely loved it. Once again, they got to tell exactly the story they wanted to tell. Sam's evolution into Cap and his friendship with Bucky were told to perfection. Then the final cherry on top of it, the butler did it. Um, and he's got the emoji of, uh, of um, Tim Curry from Clue. Pete, I'm never going to watch this episode the same way again when I, without thinking of uh, B's words. The butler did it. If we can just get tim curry as a scrawl um indeed um another tweet here from darren just watch for the second time did anyone notice the little tick with his head that john gave where he said copy to val near the end of the episode as discussed earlier in our podcast that's a great kind of um acting affect i love things like that i'd love to know was that scripted was that suggested by the director is there some great maybe they'll talk about this in the assembled documentary although pete the assembled documentaries tend to be i feel very kind of i don't want to say sanitized because that suggests there's something gaudy being left out but they're very kind of corporate as opposed to you know we know one's even coming i I am pretty sure it's been mentioned on some of the, like, coming to Disney Plus stuff. Uh, Pete, I'll have to double check while we're, when you read some feedback. But uh, let, let's hear some more here. First, Pete, or not first, but continuing from our captain, Noel Gardner. It's at Noel Camille. I love this show. I'm giving a COVID pass to some of the storylines overall, but it was great. Sam's suit is amazing. The combo of technology and wings fills in and shows he doesn't need a serum. Red Wing is back. Yay. Walker's redemption was a little fast for me, but he helped out, so whatever. Shrug emoji. Interested to see where he ends up next. Val seems to be tangled with Zemo. Uh, Speaking of, Zemo is still operating from lockup. Wonder where the flag smashers from the Hudson ended up. Not really surprised that the power broker was Agatha. I mean, Sharon, (laughs) all along. But who was she talking to? Actually, Pete, oh my goodness, do we now have a trend where the female... I'll say best friend, although I don't think that's true of either Agatha or Sharon, but bear with me. The female best friend is the new baddie that you watch out, Owen Wilson. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I'm actually one of Thanos' children. Wow. And a chick. Wow. (laughs) Um Lady Loki is Owen Wilson. Anyhow. Um uh Agatha, I mean Sharon all along, but who is she talking to at the end? Where will we see her next? Secret Invasion, I think she's a scroll or Armor Wars. They focused on uh Monet a little too long. I'm going to do a deeper dive. Everyone did a phenomenally fantastic job with the PHs, Pete. Aaron Kellyman, uh Adepero Odoye, Florence Kinsumba, Emily Van Camp were my girls. Wyatt Russell did an amazing job embodying someone we hated from the first wink. Carl Lumbly owned every scene he was in. Daniel Brull and Danny Ramirez applause. Finally, uh, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan surpassed my expectations. The exec that put them together on the Winter Soldier press junket to get Sebastian to talk deserves a special award. Their friendship and chemistry drove this project. I can't wait to see what's next. Um, and let's see, we also heard from JC the Mythic on Twitter. Spoiler, I do wish the action took place in daylight. Otherwise, I was pleasantly surprised by Walker's climax choosing the right thing and being cool about Cap. I'm glad Sam handled things the way he did. I hope Peggy 
Uh, I hope Peggy time hopes and gives Sharon a piece of her mind. Not quite sure what JC means there about Peggy time, but I, 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 um, I would agree. Somebody needs to give Sharon a piece of her mind. Um, Darren, uh, back again, double checking Sharon's a scroll. Pete, that seems to be what most of you all are saying. I will disagree and be wrong in <laughs> Armor Wars season three coming in 2030. <laughs> um, we heard from Nathan Nolan Edwards at Nolan Edwards. Wow. Quote, did Laura's life matter? Was my favorite line Walker had all season. I'm still not over Grant Ward being Hydra, so it might take a little long to grieve Sharon. Is Carly dead? Where did the exact Marvel rules? I got my Sam Bucky hug uh, I joked about last week. So, Pete, is Carly dead according to the rules of TV and film? Yes. Okay, I would agree, too. Can we rule out uh, Carly the Winter Soldier in three years? Yes. Oh, wow, okay. Pete, uh, I'm going to disagree. Nathan, look for Carly the Winter Soldier on ice, (laughs) defrosted, uh, coming to... Um, um, Secret Invasion Season 2, circa 2026. Uh, we heard from Bruja Arscaleta, that's at Modern uh, Priscilla, P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A. I tried, but I can't care about Sharon that much. Also, I don't really know how to put this exactly. I have felt the whole, quote-unquote, season that there is an unlearned familiarity slash intimacy between Carly and the other main characters. Now that little switch makes sense. Um... Pete is the is the, the the listener here suggesting maybe uh, physical familiarity uh, familiarity rather and what are your what are your thoughts there? I don't think so. I think more of you know the, the simpatico that um, Sam and and Carly had that makes the enormously powerful dropping the body off and and then the admonishment of the GRC council, particularly, I mean, Matt, did anybody get off lighter here than Senator Beardo? Um, no. Although I feel like if you want to say that's a fault of the writing room, fine. If you want to say that's the writing room emulating real life, I'd agree with that too. I also would say, Pete, I don't, I genuinely don't know where one finds like slash fiction and things like that. But if somebody wants to go out and write, the Flag Smashers, um, consensual hot young people doing consensual sweaty time, kissy, huggy face things that, that, that could probably appeal to some people. Hear that, everybody? Matt wants your stories. Look, I'm not saying you need to email links. Oh, or dude, anything. you're done. You're going to be, you're going to be, yeah, inundated. Dovich stepping from the shower <laughs> saw that there was no towel, you know, anyhow. Uh, we heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln, that's at Tess LC 139 What a great ending to a great season of a great Marvel show. <sighs> Sorry, Spider-Ham Lincoln, I'm laughing at this idea of Flag Smasher slash fiction. Anyhow, whether the story continues in Captain America 4 or Falcon the Winter Soldier Season 2, we're definitely not done with these heroes. Captain America Falcon's new suit was perfect. Wakandan made tribute to both Steve Rogers and the Falcon. It mirrored the comics version very well, and it's nice to have Red Wing back. Chef's kiss. I won't get too long-winded this week. I loved it all. The Sam-Bucky friendship is pure heart. U.S. Agent is about to get weird, and Sharon Carter is a scroll. Make mine Marvel and bring on Loki. Pete, let me ask you this. If they do do another season of this show, surely it will be called Captain America and the Winter Soldier, right? 
Yes, and there had actually been a report that post-Avengers Endgame, the title changed from Falcon and the Winter Soldier to Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And then back to Falcon and that they've done it here and now they're going to go to a Captain America 4. I just don't think you put the genie back in the bottle. I don't think you announce the film and say, oh, but we're going to do another season of the TV show and then to the film. That's way too far out to do when you consider, okay, they're, they're filming, you know, they just wrapped Hawkeye. They're filming Moon Knight. They're very close to filming She-Hulk. And to think that you would get another season of this series and then a film that's way too far out to go. So I, I think this one's Captain America for next. I'll just point out, I'm looking at the Hollywood Reporter article now, of which had the exclusive about Captain America 4. You've used the word um, announced. I don't know if it was announced as much as hey, we heard a thing, and in that kind of Hollywood, I'm not saying it's not true, but in that Hollywood way of, hey, somebody tipped us off, but we can't say uh, creative executive for Marvel Studios, because that would narrow it down to about four people, you know. Um, it's developing, Malcolm Spellman is developing it, along with um, Delon Musan, who's one of the writers. Um, I guess here's what I'm trying to say, Pete. Could we find out that they're developing this movie and that the news got out unintentionally and that the plan is on the red carpet tonight, Bob Iger or uh, Bob Chapek says Captain uh, America and the Winter Soldier season two will be coming in 2022. We start filming next week. Surprise. You know, like this might've been, you know, you mentioned genie out of the bottle. This might've been a PR genie out of the bottle. Although I, I would suspect not, but. Anyhow, Pete, back to some of these tweets here from Winter Falcon. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. Loved it. Really hoping the name uh, change at the end means another season. Sam's costume is fantastic with a PH. Totally perfect. I'm good with the way it ended, even though I don't want to believe Sharon can be a bad guy. wonder if this means we'll see her in movies or the next season. Uh, I'm also really curious to see how the whole resettlement and uh, relates, uh, related snap issues are addressed in future movies. I can't see Cap's speech fixing the whole situation. Ramifications should last for years and holds endless story possibilities. Overall, I'm very satisfied with the show. Like anything, it had some great and not-so-great points, but nothing is perfect. I'll be watching again soon. Your coverage of this has, of course, been fantastic. With PH, looking forward to Loki now. Uh, we heard from Sandra Resednis on Twitter. I thought it was awesome all around. Not thrilled with Sharon's storyline. Not buying it, but I'll get over it. And last from uh, or last but certainly not least, uh, we had a message from Amanda Azar, who says as follows. Hey guys, it's been a while since I've chimed in on the pod that I've been keeping up. What a fantastic series with a PH and epic finale uh, to Falcon the Winter Soldier. Sam and Bucky's friendship is one for the books. I definitely got teary-eyed when Bucky called sam cap so reminiscent of his friendship with steve the reveal of sam's captain america suit was legendary now we have both bucky and sam wielding some major wakandan tech also seeing sam come into his own acceptance of being the new cap was so heartwarming and his speech at the end is probably a highlight for the whole series coupled with him uh taking isaiah to the museum uh to show he won't be forgotten tears 
Walker having a decent moment at the end and saving the truck of Senators versus going after Carly was actually something I didn't see coming, and it was a mild redeeming moment. Very curious of how his I'm very curious how his turn of US agent will go moving forward with Fontaine. Sharon is the power broker. No! We all had a feeling, and yet when it was officially revealed, I was still so bummed. And now she's pardoned and working back at S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is she a double agent? Skrull? She's a carter. She can't really be bad, can she? Crying emoji. Lastly, uh, Bucky finally crossing off all the names on his list, ending with Yuri made me tear up. Having some small amount of peace after decades of pain being the Winter Soldier, it was great to see it come to a small end, especially through the lens of mental health. Also, minor detail, but uh, he no longer has Steve's little book. I thought he'd keep it. A lot left open, either leading uh, a lot left open leading to either Captain America four, Black Panther two, or a second season. Excited for this next journey and to hear your coverage of it. As always, stay fantastic. Oh, well, thank you, Amanda. Yeah, I'm looking to Captain America for the brother-in-law myself. <laughs> Pete, what feedback do you have on your end? On Facebook, Matt, Steve Adams writes in, the final episode was absolutely amazing, great action, and a logical end to the Flag Smashers. Zemo accomplished his mission after all. The new Captain America costume looks great and is spot on with the design from the comics. The same goes for U.S. Agents' new look as well. I'm anxious to see where his story goes. He enjoys the power a little too much. Is this a setup for Thunderbolts? If so, who else joins? I wish we could have read the text from Isaiah's memorial. Hopefully, Stephen, you've heard that here, and I know we had corresponded back and forth after his message. I felt so much of the weight of Bucky's confession to Yuri, and as much as I would like I would like to have stayed there a minute or two more. It was probably more effective the way it was shown. The whole show was much more compelling and emotional than I had anticipated. This was so well done. I have a little more feedback for your season wrap after I sit on this a little more. But this was a great fun ride. I will be checking out the Bad Batch when it uh, debuts. And then back to Marvel for Loki. As good as the first two Marvel offerings have been, how can Loki not be? Well, fantastic. And Maddie spelled it with a PH. Until then, true believers. Well, thank you. Thank you, true believer. And um, yeah, I think, I, again, I find myself looking at what is ahead for the MCU. It's an embarrassment of riches. Um Pete, I didn't mention before, you know, widely expected tonight, uh, Eternals director Chloe Zhao will win multiple Oscars as well. So, I mean, top talent being pulled to the present and to the future here for the MCU. Where does uh, where does Thunderbolts fit in? Where does this, where does that? At a certain point, these shows, some of these shows are going to have to go multiple seasons, you'd think? Like, it's <laughs> a lot of question marks, but all great questions. And then, Matt, to Apple Podcasts, we're to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier feed by Fantastic Geek. Maybe the most direct uh, piece of both comment and feedback ever. Left by Ron underscore Keith here. Captain America, five stars, and it reads, Is Carly still alive? Why don't Sam and Bucky 
question why Walker was there. How could they so easily work with him? I hope Sharon is not a villain, but a double agent. I need a season two and answers. You are the best. Talk about me. The pod, please. I like hearing my name, Ron Keith. Well, Ron, you are our hero today. We are we are talking about you. Um, here you are on the pod, and it's just, I don't know, Pete, it's good stuff. You can feel the love. You can feel the five-star love. We're giving the love back there to Ron. And uh, thank you, Ron, for sharing your sharing your your words, your passion, and so forth. Pete, ahead of our series season, still not quite sure what to call it, ahead of our Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we could say that much, wrap next week. How can people be in touch with you to share their thoughts of the entire season, to share their anticipation about Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Loki, What If, Ms. Marvel, and so forth? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 11,932 followers, which can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, it's looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are FantasticGeek as well. But wait, there's more! Facebook.com slash FantasticGeek with the PH, all one word, like it today. All right, Pete, we only have one more Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast to go. Unless, of course, midweek they announce the three-season renewal that's also going to cross over with the new uh, unannounced Thor show and et cetera, et cetera. So, Can you change the name this fundamentally of a series and it continue? I just... Yeah? I, I would think... Well, who are you asking? Are you asking Emmy people? I think for the Emmy people, they'd be like... But you're still saying it's continuing from the last thing. You just changed the title a little bit. And, oh, the Emmys legitimately being progressive and having an issue. And hey, I mean, being... from Enterprise to Star Trek Enterprise because yeah. brand confusion or not enough brands association, I, I guess. But still, you've got and the Winter Soldier. And, and while we're at it, like, can we just go to and and Bucky and Bucky, the brother-in-law? Like, Captain America and Bucky the brother-in-law. Like, I'd get behind it. <laughs> Pete, I think you mentioning Star Trek Enterprise, I think that's that's the perfect that's the perfect um, example because, first of all, o- Disney only has to answer to itself unless, again, you're talking about the Emmys. And the Emmys have enough flexibility built in where if you sit and go, we're just continuing the adventure. It's a continuation series. They're going to say, yes, we would agree. Look at all this evidence. Unlike oh my goodness, American Horror Story, is it very different than American Horror Story Asylum? Yes, here's why it's a limited series and da-da-da-da. Okay, similar title, but not a continuation. So I think, I think, sure, if they want to do a second season under a slightly different name, everybody will be for it. And uh, I know we'll be here for it too. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Well, thank you. I'm glad you took my call. You've been a big help. <laughs>